0: Hi there, I'm Anne-Marie McQueen, editor of Live Healthy, and this is the Live Healthy podcast. Each week we interview health and wellness leaders and talk about all the things that are good for you, which you can also read about in our online magazine, the only one of its kind for men and women in the UAE. Today I'm speaking with Pamela Durant, a Dubai-based wellness and lifestyle medicine coach, a mindful eating coach and facilitator. She's also the mother of a son who was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes when he was just 20 months old. In 2016, this experience inspired Pamela to leave a successful corporate career as a healthcare consultant for clinics and hospitals to start her own company, Diapoint ME, which provides a space for people who have been touched by diabetes. We talk all about what it's like to have a child with type 1 diabetes, why this disease is so misunderstood by the general public and the media, the problem with the label, lifestyle disease, and so much more.
1: Hi there, how are you doing? Hi, I'm good, thank you.
0: So Thanks I'm very, well, of course, um, I'm, I'm, you got in touch when we had a story, I think about diabetes and I was really pleased to get in touch with you because honestly, I get sent a lot of experts from PR firms and it's so nice to have someone come to me just like sort of organically <laughs> and you know, I feel like it's almost a treasure these days, but, um, you are managing director of DiaPoint. ME. So first of all, it just tell me how that came about and and what sort of what you do there. Sure.
1: So DiaPoint ME were based in Dubai. Um, some people call it a social entrepreneurship. So uh, stepping back a few years, I've worked in healthcare management all my life. Um, hospital management, quality management, strategy and a whole lot of other areas. And I have one son and he's now 14, but when he was 20 months old, he was diagnosed with type one diabetes. I knew a little bit about type one because even when I was growing up in the US, we would do the um, Juvenile Diabetes Foundation walks and different things like that, but I didn't really know what it meant. And like everyone else, I had heard about diabetes and how it's this big lifestyle problem and all these other things, although I knew a little bit that you know, children had type one and that was kind of different, but I didn't know how. So I always say that, you know, I used to think I was a healthcare expert until I had a child with a chronic condition and it happened to be diabetes and it was hard. It was really, really hard. That was, you know, what, 12, 12 years ago. And we were living in Dubai. Um, we've been in Dubai almost 20 years. And at that time, there were no pediatric endocrinologists. No specialists, no dietitians that understood it. Nobody understood it at all. So I did what a lot of expats back then did. I went back to my home country because where I grew up, there was you know, one of the top um, pediatric hospitals and not looking for a cure, but just wondering what to do. So um, I had an amazing team, uh, doctor, nurse educator, psychologist, dietitian all the specialties that are actually really needed in a comprehensive team to support someone with diabetes. And I had a really amazing education, but it was still very, very hard. We came back to Dubai and I couldn't find a doctor for about three years. Now there were, there was a doctor, but I didn't know she even existed because when you have such a chronic condition, you don't know who to ask her or what to do. So we managed and that was hard. And I started Diapoint because I thought at first it just kind of started as a blog. I was still working my corporate job. I took a long leave of absence to kind of get everything settled. And when I would meet people, they're not in healthcare, and they would be struggling with diabetes. And I thought both my husband and I worked in healthcare, and we struggled and it was really hard. And I can't imagine how hard that is for someone that doesn't have a healthcare background, not that you need to be a diabetes expert, but you don't even begin to know who to ask and where to ask the questions. And since I can't just brain dump all of the experiences that I've had and resources, I thought, let me start something. Um, So in 2016, I left my corporate job um, to start Diapoint. And we have an online shop where we sell supplies um, they categorize as parapharma. We're not a pharmacy, but we sell different supplies and accessories of people with diabetes. We need, we also sell, um, health and wellness accessories for even people that don't have diabetes. We also have coaching support for people with diabetes, um, different education for people with diabetes, um, and just a whole lot of other things, because once you leave your doctor's office or your medical team, you, if you're doing it right, if you have any kind of diabetes, you're going to your doctor every quarter, let's say every three to four months, but you will have diabetes for 365 days a year. And it's not something that you just go check up on. It's the the doctor that I saw in the US, the first doctor we had, I thought it was a very strange thing for him to say as a physician, but he said to me, he said, diabetes is going to get on your nerves and it's going to nag you all the time.
0: Mm.
1: And it does. And it's, it's absolutely true. Now that relationship can be positive or negative. It just depends on how you want to deal with it. Of course, there's times we all don't want to deal with it, but that's also one of the other kind of philosophies of why I I founded DiaPoint. point, because as soon as I decided my son was very small, but I didn't want this to slow him down or make him feel bad about himself or his, his life, his physical condition. I wanted him to have peace with it. So as soon as you make peace with that, it becomes
0: much, much easier. Mm -hmm, mm mm-hmm so what has changed with type one would you say um in kids since you got that diagnosis because that's been quite a a period of time yeah a lot
1: some things have changed and some things haven't changed the foundations and fundamentals of why it happens and nobody's still sure why it happens that hasn't changed there is no cure There is no special diet that's going to make it easier or that, you know, is going to make it better. You always meet people and they say, "Oh, how's his blood sugar? And I'm like, well, it's all over the place because he has type one. You just want to try to keep it in range since he's been diagnosed and say, of course,
0: do you find when you tell people or they find out what he has that they offer like the sliver this one sentence that they know and it's wrong like like oh yeah always an an
1: unsolicited medical advice um is is rampant for i think any chronic condition if somebody says they have something or anything like that and even if i meet someone with diabetes while i know a lot of information unless they ask i won't necessarily offer any anything i i'm trained as a coach. I'm more curious about it. And I'll ask them questions about it and how it's going. And then if they say they're struggling, or if they can't find a doctor, or if they have a specific question, then of course I'll answer. And it's the same thing, especially for type two diabetes, because everybody thinks, and this is why I reached out to you because the article that I read, everyone oversimplifies it. And mm-hmm. they think the person, if only they just ate healthy, if only they would just exercise, it would just go away. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's not that easy at all. Mm-hmm. Um, but the thing that's really changed the most is the technology that we have access to the technology that's been developed and released in the market as to how we can manage it. My son's always been on an insulin pump, but now there's more advanced features and more better, you know, cooler things that they can do. I say cool, um, mm-hmm. because it just really makes life a lot easier. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a lot of research and development that's changed, uh, in the UAE, there's a lot more doctors and pediatric endocrinologists and for adults, endocrinologists and teams of people that really understand diabetes are are very supportive. So those are, those are the two main things I would say. And the numbers are growing and not just children get type one adults. It it can, it can, you know, for whatever reason, there are adults that are diagnosed in their thirties, forties, fifties and beyond.
0: And what have been some of the things that have been most helpful um, to you with, with helping to keep his, um, condition managed.
1: So having, I just said that while there's no special diet or, you know, nothing that you can do to really make it better or easier, no matter what kind of diabetes you have, if you exercise, and if you eat healthy, you will have better results and better outcomes and diabetes or not. My son, When I'm long gone from this earth, my son's going to quote me because I always say diabetes or not, nobody needs to eat donuts every single day. This pre in the pre COVID years. It felt like there was a time like every other day there was a birthday party and they people would always (laughs) send donuts. And I'm like, why so much junk food at school? We need to be teaching children to eat healthy and everything in moderation. That doesn't mean like, you know, you shouldn't ever have a donut unless you're allergic to them or something. Um, but we should be eating healthy most of the time. Mm -hmm. And when we do that, the outcomes, our blood sugar is so much better and also exercise, but it's not just those two things. There's probably about 50 different things that can affect your blood sugar, everything from stress to the weather, to environment. If you had a stressful meeting at work or, you know, or if you're worried about something that that affects your blood sugars as well. So it's not just all nice and neatly packaged, but the things that you can control are your lifestyle. And I think this is where the misconception is that people think it's just so easy to,
0: to manage. Yeah. It's not easy to manage. What about the rise in type two? I mean, you're hearing this. I mean, we are just hearing yeah. this all the time and I don't know that everyone makes the link to, it's not just that you get type two diabetes. It's that it's a metabolic, the whole metabolic sort of thunder roll that leads all the way up to all the other yes. ones. Yes, I yes. don't know that a lot of people are connecting, connecting those dots. Yeah. Like, yeah. Do you feel? Yeah.
1: It's like the perfect storm. So you know, there's some people that have come to me for coaching and they're what I would say clinically obese, like really overweight, and they have a lot of weight to, to lose. But from a blood sugar perspective, they don't have any insulin resistance or diabetes at all. There's other people who maybe aren't even overweight. And for whatever reason, it's, you know, genetically um predisposition, their body is not producing enough insulin to support them. Now there's a lot of studies around that in the UAE, there's been a lot of genetic studies, a local population as well. And in the GCC also, and you know, it's been discovered that the local population does have a higher risk genetically to get diabetes. That's not to say that it's going to happen. The other thing that doesn't help is a lot of the processed foods we're not all eating fresh produce every day. And we're all really busy. And, you know, we all, well, I don't eat meat, but I, my son loves like a good hamburger from time to time. Um, You know, and you might be getting the best quality meat you can find, but all the other foods that come on the side might be highly processed. Um, There's a whole lot of other things that go into setting off the type two. So it's a combination of, Genetics. Lifestyle does have a lot to do with it. The processed foods, and, and now there's a term they're saying it's
0: ultra-processed foods. Hmm. I just I saw that. One I just article. saw that like this morning. Yeah.
1: Uh, yeah. And there's one article that I can send you that I read several months ago in a newsweek, and they were talking about how ultra-processed foods are designed to be addictive, hmm. and even more so than cigarettes were which is frightening and alarming because that's what a lot of our children are consuming. They go for all of these snacks that are just horrible. Um, and, and again, I don't totally ban them. I don't keep them in my house because also I'll eat them as well, but I just try to teach everything in moderation. Um, so ultra processed foods. And also, you know, now we have a lot more technology in our life and that is good and it can help enhance our exercise and things like that. But on some days, a lot of us aren't moving around as much. We're sitting at our computer all the time. We're not having to get up to go get things. We can order things. So even just the general day-to-day movement, we're doing less and less of. And the sedentary lifestyle, um, it doesn't help either. So there, there's a lot of factors that that do go into it.
0: It's funny that you mentioned those ultra-processed foods because our like our generation, we were we were just taught that we didn't have any willpower, right? Because like, but it's so satisfying to. Get older and see some. Oh like, yeah, and be like, oh my gosh! Like, because I remember having like donuts at the office or chips and me, just like eating them and eating them and then feeling so ashamed uh, when I would read my Women's Health or whatever magazine. And it's so fun to see that this was designed to make us keep eating. It's not really it our really fault. Really was. Yeah. No, no, it's it's not. And and
1: that's another thing that always. I think even before my son was diagnosed if I would see someone overweight and I would see how people look at them and that like talking about it I get a little bit upset by it because that is a person yeah just like you and I are people they're people something clearly might be challenging for them biologically with their health. It could be a thyroid condition. It could be something else. Maybe they're going through something super stressful, emotional. That's so beyond difficult and challenging for them that we can't even understand because there is a a tie to emotional eating as well. For some people, there's a lot of reasons why somebody might be overweight and potentially develop type two diabetes and the, the whole shame of, you know, what we eat. And then after we eat something bad, we we feel horrible about it. And we shame ourselves inside. And I can't imagine the pain that that person might be walking around with I me, mean, maybe they are, maybe they're not, I'm not in their head. But when I see that, I don't think that that really helps the people with diabetes to feel better about it or to try to make peace with it, to, to manage it better. It makes it even more difficult. Mm
0: -hmm. And
1: even sometimes without realizing it, doctors can be biased in in this area as well. They're very frustrated because behavior change, especially around food and emotional eating is very, very hard. Um, And doctors don't have a lot of time to meet with patients to really support them through such things. So it, it's just difficult all the way around and that whole shame and blame um, gets me because now a lot of the research that's coming out for other chronic conditions, uh, for example, cancer, not all cancers are related to food, but there is a lot of evidence that certain cancers, um, are the result of unhealthy lifestyles. And there's not people out there shaming anyone ever because they have cancer, Mm -hmm. but people are very quick to shame people because they have
0: diabetes. Mm -hmm. And this happens in the media as well. So tell me what you see, like when you're just reading the newspapers and stuff. What, what we need to learn.
1: yeah, it does. It always talks about how diabetes is a lifestyle disease. Um, the language that is used is really can be really frustrating. I think people aren't so mindful about that. And talking about people suffering from diabetes and the epidemic, and okay, maybe it is epidemic, but you know, being overweight and due to their unhealthy lifestyle um, the way diabetes per- is portrayed in the media or some of the jokes around diabetes as well is very frustrating there. It's really not funny. Um, although I'm happy to say my son with type one every now and then he can joke about it. Um, he, you know. he, he doesn't, he, he he's grown <laughs> up with it. So he doesn't, you know, know life without it. He does get strange looks because he has an insulin pump. And from time to time, will be like, so, you know, I, I was at school and this ki- kid's dad was looking at me and, you know, because he would never seen a tube coming out of a kid before, you know, he would joke about it um, sometimes in the media or comedians or TV shows or whatever, they might joke about it. So I think just the wording you wouldn't, you know, contribute again, if you were writing a cancer article, you wouldn't write about it in that kind of same context. And it really takes a lot of effort to go back and, and look at the words that are being used and make sure there's no blame, no shame. We don't want to call people with diabetes sufferers because it just makes kind of an otherness um, and is a bit demeaning. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, since I've been, I, I mean, I was in mainstream media for the long time. I was at the national and I, I've changed, tried to change uh, with live healthy. A lot of that language, like sufferers and victims. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, we're all struggling with this. We're all struggling people of every size, but having said that there is this movement for healthy at any size. And I wondered Mm -hmm. what, what you thought about it. Do you think, because I think it's great as someone who's been a curvy girl my whole life, I love it, but I also sometimes think, gosh, like this is being celebrated. Like obesity is being celebrated in a way that I'm not sure is healthy either. So I just wondered what you thought about it.
1: Yeah, you have a really valid point that there is a fine line between really, we we do need to celebrate our individual bodies because everybody's body is completely different. And what is a healthy weight for me is different than what is a healthy weight for someone else. So that's one reason, first of all, why it's important to go get checkups to make sure that, you know, do do your blood work, make sure everything is in check and you you don't have anything that might be related to you know your current weight or something like that Um, but there's I'm not the smallest person either and we were just before we started we were talking about running and I'll go to a race and I'll see people bigger than me passing me running faster they're healthier they're stronger so if you're one of those people and you're eating well then you know more power to you you don't healthy is not necessarily somebody that's you know supermodel thin and i think that's what we grew up with in the 80s and 90s and in even still that scene uh, to be healthy when we look at a lot of images around health and wellness and things like that but yes you're right celebrating something that's unhealthy is not healthy mm-hmm. so we just need to be careful where we're putting the focus and if you're you know not healthy at that larger weight or, or whatever it might be, then you, you do want to, you know, focus on that and, and celebrate where you are today, because that is where you are today and find the beauty in that. But as human beings, I think we should always strive for improvement. And that can be in various different parts of our life, because for sure, if you're unhealthy and overweight, it's hard to celebrate because if you're feeling unhealthy, you might be feeling tired and sluggish and struggle to pay attention. Um, and I I can say that since I've been traveling and I'm not eating like as as good as I usually do because I love all the things and I'm eating a lot more gluten than usual yeah. and I feel it, I feel so sluggish and so heavy. That's not something that I'm going to celebrate and continue you mm-hmm. know, as a, as a lifestyle for me. So you have to really find what works for you, celebrate and be yourself at your best, but also know your best is not going to be the same KGs as the latest supermodel or latest influencer on social media. Mm -hmm.
0: I always feel like I can say something about it because I, twice in my life, I gained 30 pounds when I started working and in another difficult time in my life. And I felt so heavy and sluggish and, you know, and I recently just lost um, weight because I had a gut gut issue, but I needed to lose weight and I was crossing the street and I almost got hit by a car. So I had to run. No, no, you know what I mean? Like I just, yeah, speed up. And I was like, wow, that was easier. That was so much easier. I felt like just like a butterfly compared to, mm-hmm. you know, two or three months before it would have been exertion. And so sometimes when I, I see it, I think, okay, like I, 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 I want to like my body too, but there's a big mm-hmm. difference when you can sometimes just lose 10 or 20 pounds and it's not easy. We know that. Uh Yeah,
1: it's definitely not easy, but, but it is, I went through it as well. There was a time where I was working a lot, especially when my company was just starting out and I'm still very devoted, but my constant snacking at my desk, particularly nuts, they have a lot of fat. Mm -hmm. And over time I I put on more weight. Suddenly I was like, wow. So yeah, I went back to training a bit more, um, harder and also getting older metabolism, slowing down and different Mm -hmm. things like that. So, yeah, we, we have to do the work. Um, we should always celebrate the day we have because that's really all we have. Hmm. But, you know, always strive to to do better and, and be our best. And you want to be as healthy as you can be because life is a beautiful thing, hopefully. And you want to be here for a while. So you want to stay around and enjoy it.
0: I wanted to ask you about seed oils because we're hearing a lot about these seed oils. There's you know, canola, uh, sunflower oils. I think there's nine that have been identified and, and you can find a list, I think still on Google perhaps. And oh, yeah. um, <laughs> and I'm just hearing more and more and more about how these seed oils are so bad for our metabolism. They're so bad for us, yet they're in everything. And they're even in the healthy takeout that you think you're getting. Chances are that they're using that oil. Very, very few places are using what can you just talk to me about this? Cause in the UAE, I don't hear much about this at all.
1: Yeah, oil is become such a big, I think it's kind of the hot topic of the month. Some are good, some are bad. And depending on who you interview and who you talk to, um, some people will say they're really bad. Some people will say eating vegan is bad. Yes. It's important to be an informed consumer But I think when it comes to seed oils, not all are bad. Okay. So um, research, you know, I I don't suggest everyone go to Google to diagnose everything, but there is so much information out there about the different seed oils. And again, everything in moderation. Some, you know, you don't want to use some, you don't want to overindulge in Um, oil is essentially fat at the end of the day some oils, like for example, there was a time everybody was down on olive oil because when you heat it, it would release Mm -hmm. toxins and things like that. And, you know, I'm in Turkey right now and olives are everywhere and people here have been cooking with olive oil forever and um, they live pretty long healthy lives. And, and also the way our bodies respond to it, everybody is different and everybody is a, you know, individual. So if you're using it, in your own cooking or in your own salads, and maybe you want to experiment and try and see what that does to you. If you have diabetes, then you have a very beautiful, special opportunity because you have this marker to understand if what you're eating is affecting you in a good way, or maybe in a not so good way, your blood sugar might increase or might not increase. Um, So you just have to really do what's right for you. You can, you know, ask your, your doctor if you notice that it's in something, Um, or if you're using it or you, you know, a lot, there's a lot of information out there. You read an article and this is the other thing about oils and even like superfoods. And probably you see in the media all the time. I follow all the, um, like media highlights for diabetes and every other week there's a new superfood. It's just part of a overall healthy lifestyle. So you don't need to get on board and go after just one particular oil, um, it, it, everything in, in moderation and just make sure, you know, what you're eating when it comes to ingredients in food, you want to read your labels, the less ingredients, the better. Okay. And if there's ingredients on there that you don't understand, and you don't even know what they are, then that's probably not a very healthy thing because it, it's some other scientific thing that was created in a lab to maybe make it, you know, more interesting or more tasty or more crunchy, um, or, you know, it might have food coloring in it or other things like that.
0: What are some foods that people think are healthy that aren't that you, you see? Oh,
1: foods that people think are healthy that aren't. That is a really good question. It depends on what you um, prescribe to. I think a lot of things that people think that are healthy that aren't right now, the gluten-free thing is still pretty big. Um, I see candy. On the Mm -hmm. on the label, and it will say gluten free. A ton of healthy. Of course it is because it's all sugar. Yeah, and they use it as as a gluten free. Now there are people out there that have celiac and they have a a problem, and they they definitely need to know that there is no gluten in that. But they're they're used to reading labels, um, and they they know. Like they'll, they'll know if, you know, a certain kind of candy has gluten in it or not probably, or they'll, they'll read the label and the label will tell them, but to use it as a marketing tool to mm-hmm. get people to buy it like potato chips, gluten-free. Yeah. They're potatoes. They're deep fried in oil that may not be healthy for you. And, you know, they may be of the genre of potato chip or crisps, as they say in the UK, that, um, that was produced in a lab. Um, and if it says gluten-free on the package, that doesn't necessarily mean that it's, it's healthy. Yeah. So I think it's not necessarily the, you know, which foods it's more how they're marketed. Anything processed honestly is not going to be that good. Mm-hmm. There's still a lot to be studied on the new vegetarian options like vegetarian meat and vegan foods and, and things like this. And I, I am more maybe pescatarian. I don't eat so much fish, but I'm eating more vegetables and things like this. However, and I do eat meat substitute things. I never enjoyed meat. That's why I choose not to eat it. Um, And honestly, I see what it does in my son's blood sugar, and it does create insulin resistance for him. And for a lot of people, it does that. Um, but he likes it and he eats it. And it's my job to teach him how to understand how to dose insulin and work around it and work with it. Cause as an adult, he's going to make his choices, but when coming back to the um, vegetarian or vegan meats, they are still processed foods. Mm-hmm. So there's some early research that's suggesting that if you consume a lot of that, it's still a processed food. It's not a whole plant-based food. There's a few brands out there that are are really trying not to use a lot of ingredients, but to get, you know, pea protein or whatever it is that they're using and putting in there to taste like a burger, and you know, the same thing, you gotta work really hard and put a lot of extra things into it. And it's not as healthy as we think it is. So whole plant-based foods are best, but again, everything in moderation.
0: So as you're looking forward to the work that you do, coaching and, and informing, what uh, what's on the horizon? What do, you, what do you see coming up?
1: I do believe that um, coaching, sorry, there's a fly here. I'm, I'm in a very <laughs> yeah. natural environment. I don't know if you can see it. But I can see this fly. That I saw it before that, you felt it. <laughs> no, no. I, I saw it down there and I'm like, please don't come bother okay. me. He just wanted to say hello and have opinions about the future. Um, (laughs) So for the future, a lot of people are using technology, of course. The technology is growing, what people are using and what people have access to for their health, diabetic or not. We have a lot more information now um, about our health and different parameters that can help us be healthy, but we have to really take that information and use it. Other, and we have to understand how to use it. That's the hard thing. There's a lot of people that don't have diabetes that have started to use continuous glucose monitors. Mm. And that's great. And they, they think, oh, yeah, I'm going to eat healthier and understand you know what I'm eating and eat better. But they have to really understand what that information means. Otherwise, it's not going to be so helpful. So there's that aspect of it. I do believe coaching is the future of, um, of diabetes, because like I said, you go to your doctor and then you leave, and you're on your own. And a lot of clinics now are starting to see the value in that, and they're getting coaches to become part of their teams, which is really great. So then someone will call you from time to time and follow up and check in and just see how you're doing. If you need anything, and then you don't have to wait three months to go, you know, back and see your doctor. Um, I think. We have so much information and access to things now that we can really take more control of our health. And that's not saying that we know better than, than doctors. Doctors are, are still needed because they study specific subjects in a lot of detail. They're up to date on the research. However, we are much more empowered than we were 10, 20 years ago. And we can have a discussion with our doctors about different things because we have all this information and we know a lot more. So that's the, the general thing for, for me at Diapoint, we are focusing on growing our diabetes communities to support more people, because for sure it's a lot easier when you have the support of a community. Um, we're also rolling out some exciting online courses um, that will help. I already have one about sending your child to, to school with diabetes safely with type one, because after diagnosis, that's probably the most hardest, difficult, most challenging thing. Um, that you have to think about, it, sending your child off to school, and then in the care of somebody else, and not knowing what's really happening is very stressful. Yeah. But it can be done. And it, it once you are organized and have, you know, a system in place, it does help. But for, for type two diabetes as well, um, just to, to help people and make it more easy, make it easy to understand because there's a lot of information to take in. So we are looking to create more awareness and education around it. Um, And I'd also like to see more people discussing diabetes. Like we are right now, diabetes and health and wellness in, in the right way, instead of just saying, Hey, go for a walk and, you know, and don't eat dessert. That's, that's not really the solution.
0: Okay. That's great, Pamela. I really appreciate it. I hope you keep in touch with us and like, we can talk again in the future. Cause it's a, uh, thank you. It's not going anywhere, anyone, anytime soon. Unfortunately.
1: That's why I said, unfortunately people for the longest time, were talking about the war on diabetes and the fight against diabetes. And my philosophy is we don't want to fight against, you know, our body. Um, and I don't think diabetes, like you said, it's not going to be eradicated, but we can manage it. We have so many tools, so much information and It can be really a stepping stone to a decision of how you want to live your life, because now you actually have more information about your body than somebody without diabetes. And there's a lot that you can do with that. It can be a very empowering experience.
0: That's a great message. Thank you so much. Thank you. Have a great day. That's it for this week. If you liked the podcast, make sure to subscribe, rate, and review. We'll see you next time on the Live Healthy Podcast.